You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in on a Tuesday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing great. A lot to get to ahead on today's episode of Locked on Cougars. We're going to talk about BYU and the NFL draft as our countdown continues towards Thursday. Talking about Brady Christensen. What can the former left tackle at BYU offer at the pro ranks? We'll examine that. We'll also continue with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. Talking about the 1928 BYU football program a new head coach, and a new stadium. What did it lead to? How did the Cougars do under G. Ott Romney? We'll talk about all of that ahead on today's show. And, of course, we'll catch you up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Tuesday. So plenty to get to. And without further ado, let's dive on into it. This is the Locked on Cougars podcast for April 27th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast focused on all things BYU. A lot to get to ahead on today's edition of Locked On Cougars, but before we do that, another reminder for you guys, please make sure if you haven't done so already to make sure you leave us a rating and review, especially if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. The vast majority of you do listen to us on an Apple device of some sort, whether it's an iPad, a MacBook, or your iPhone, make sure you leave us that rating and review. We want those five-star ratings. What it does, just kind of a synopsis, is when you guys leave those ratings and reviews, those five-star ratings, as well as a sentence or two or more, whatever you got about the podcast, it helps BYU fans find us and also in turn helps the podcast find BYU fans. The algorithms that iTunes and Apple Podcasts use to promote, well, guess what? When they see interaction with the show, they're more apt to promote it and your guys support helps us build this audience. So thank you in advance for your support in doing that. All right, getting going here on a Tuesday edition of the show. You guys know the format by now. This past week and a half or so, we've been talking about former Cougars going into the NFL draft and what to make of their prospects. And we are down to the top two prospects in BYU's recruiting class, or uh, not recruiting class, draft class with Brady Christensen and Zach Wilson. Both of them formerly members of a BYU recruiting class, but now members of a draft class that should be one of the best in recent memory, if not all time, for the BYU football program program and today we're going to take some time talking about Brady Christensen the stalwart left tackle for BYU and All-American during his junior campaign for the Cougars before declaring to pro declaring he's going to go pro at the end of last season and it was the right move Brady Christensen needed to go he's an older prospect nearly 25 years old a guy who is going to get uh, teams who will mark him down due to that age concern but one thing I've been reading more and more about is how NFL teams this year considering how little access they have had to both games practices and just overall in-person evaluation there are franchises out there who are reportedly favoring guys who may be 
a little bit older, be maybe a little bit more mature. So that actually could help Brady Christensen's case in this individual circumstance. So obviously him making the decision to come out is going to benefit him. And there's a lot of people out there who think he could go as high as the second round. We've talked about this on the podcast that Pro Football Focus has been extremely high on him. He was the highest graded offensive tackle that they have ever graded at PFF's college site. He had an absolutely stellar campaign for BYU this past season. And NFL teams are going to have to weigh that whether it was a product of a mediocre schedule as compared to what BYU normally faces. But I think you look at the whole body of work. Brady Christensen, he's been a day one starter since redshirting the first year after his mission. He really just took over and made the left tackle spot his own. Do I think Brady ends up playing left tackle in the NFL? I have a hard time believing that. The biggest thing that's not going to allow him to do that, in my opinion, is his arms. We've talked about this with guys like Chandon Herring as well as Tristan Hodge. The wingspan you have, your arm length, it sounds like a really trivial measurement, but it is an absolutely important thing for NFL teams. And Brady Christensen measured in with 32 and a quarter, 32 inch, 32 and one quarter inch arms. Apologies, I can't get that out of my mouth. And that's actually shorter than when you typically see for an a standard NFL tackle. They want 33-inch arms or longer, 34, 35 inches, all the better. So the concern I have is that Brady Christensen, yes, teams are going to say, you know what, he's not a left tackle. He could play right tackle in the NFL, and a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, I know they traded for Orlando Brown Jr. to lock up their left tackle position. Well, Mitchell Schwartz, who manned their right tackle position for the long time recently, also was released this offseason. Could Andy Reid dip back into his ties at BYU, bring him Brady Christensen, make him the Chiefs right tackle, let him learn on the fly and make him that guy who plays opposite of Orlando Brown Jr. Crazier things have happened when it comes to Andy Reid in the NFL draft, but I am of the opinion that Brady Christensen at bare minimum will be a solid right tackle, and if he moves inside to guard, I think he'd be an absolutely stellar pick to move inside to the interior of an offensive line. And that doesn't mean that he can't play on the exterior. Uh, the NFL.com, uh, great prospect grades they have out there. Greg Christensen is a 6.19, which makes him a good backup who could become a starter in their grading system. I think he is good enough to start right away for an NFL franchise. That's my personal opinion. Charles Davis from NFL.com, a guy you hear on NFL broadcast. He's also, I think, the analyst for the Madden series of late. He actually put out a thing on NFL.com saying that Brady Christensen would be a guy that he, quote, stood on the table or pounded his fist on the table for to make sure that he was picked. I think that Brady Christensen is going to make whoever picks him in the NFL draft a very proud franchise. This is a kid with a great head on his shoulders, very mature. He's married, just had his first kid. This is a guy who understands that this is a business and he needs to go out and provide for his family. So there's going to be none of the shenanigans that other prospects may offer an NFL franchise. They don't have to worry about that with Brady Christensen. He is a safe pick. Some franchises, when it comes to safe, they're not about that. They want guys with higher upside, more potential, all that. But you know what? Whoever picks Brady Christensen, in my opinion, is going to get a guy at minimum, will be a standout guard, I think could end up becoming a Pro Bowl caliber guard on the interior, if not a solid right tackle. Will he be a standout right tackle? Probably not. I think his skill set probably better suited at the NFL level due to his measurement constraints, the shorter arms, all that stuff, but his ability to operate in 
tandem with guys would fit him well playing guard. But I think at right tackle, he'd be a fantastic pick. And a team like the Kansas City Chiefs absolutely could use a guy like Brady Christensen. Are they willing to use that second-round pick they got from the Baltimore Ravens as part of that Orlando Brown trade when they gave up their first-round pick to pick a guy like Brady Christensen? This year's draft class for offensive tackles reportedly is pretty deep, but as soon as a run goes on offensive tackles, you can guarantee teams start looking at their draft board saying, okay, X, Y, Z are gone. Who do we have left? And I can guarantee it, kind of that second to third tier of offensive tackles, that's exactly where you're going to find Brady Christensen. Does that mean he's going to be a second-round pick? I think that's the absolute ceiling he goes, probably the back end of the second round or I think he's more likely to be taken in the third round. That's kind of where I see Brady coming off the board. Friday evening, he could have his name called, could be on his way to playing and living out that NFL dream he's had since a young man. And of course, we'll have this all covered for you guys. I mentioned late last week on the podcast, this could be a week where we do seven straight podcasts this week because of the NFL draft, and I am not afraid to do that. If Zach Wilson goes as expected on Thursday, of course, we'll talk about that on Friday. But Friday, if a guy like Brady Christensen gets picked and or a guy like Dax Milne wows a team and moves up into the second or third round, I'll do a podcast for Saturday. And to recap everything that we learned from Saturday's picks in the fourth through seventh rounds, I'm happy to do a podcast on Sunday if need be. I am willing to do the work so you guys can be up to date on everything with BYU. So stay tuned for that all week long. But I am looking forward to this. I think Brady Christensen is going to be a second round pick at the very highest, more likely early part of the third round. But man, that is plenty of money and that's a lot of expectation for a young man who's going to be expected to come in and contribute right away at the NFL level. I believe he's ready. I know he's trained extremely hard for this opportunity. And man, what a story. Similar to all the other guys with BYU's class this year, similar to a Dax Mill and a former preferred walk-on, Zach Wilson, an overlooked three-star QB. Well, Brady Christensen was a lightly recruited two-star offensive tackle who didn't get an offer from BYU until the week of signing day when he was a high school senior at Bountiful High School. What a meteoric rise for this young man after a mission and the three years starting for BYU. I look forward to seeing how his story continues to play out, and I'm excited to find out where Brady's going to call home for at least the next few years at minimum. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll stay with the BYU football theme of things, continuing on with our 100 seasons of BYU football, talking about 1928. Two very important things transpired during this year, a new coach and a new stadium. We'll talk about how that affected the Cougars during this year. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at rockauto.com, folks. If you have any part for your car, truck, or SUV that you need, I want you guys to go check out rockauto.com. It is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers for online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com now to shop for all the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. No matter what you guys need, rockauto.com has it for you guys in a few easy clicks and it's delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers like yours truly who had to order a new turn signal last week. Why spend up twice as much for the same parts, guys? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck no matter what you might 
might need right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you guys amazing selection reliably low prices all of the parts your car truck or SUV will ever need that's rockauto.com all right folks a reminder for you guys to get all of the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the locked on today podcast host peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts all right continuing on now with our 100 seasons of byu football we've been doing this for the better part of three weeks now and this will continue throughout the spring and the summer it will count us all the way down until football rejoins our lives september 4th down there at allegiant stadium when byu takes on the university of arizona so excited for that game it seems so far off but you know what if you guys stay with us every day on this podcast you will know more about byu football as we talk about all the past 100 seasons of byu football that have been played to this point but in addition to that it'll go by quicker so make sure to join us every single day and today we're talking about 1928 obviously uh, this was an interesting time for the BYU football program they've had one decent year during their six years now with the Rocky Mountain Conference that was during former coach CJ Hart's first year they went three three and one a senior class that really went out uh, Buck Dixon a star for that team and then the succeeding two years really struggled and CJ Hart then stepped aside and made way for G Ott Romney or you might know him as George Ottinger Romney he became the new athletic director the new head coach of the men's basketball program as well as coach of the track and field and the football programs at BYU yes coaches during this era folks wore a lot of hats there weren't head coaches of different sports at most universities some had an individual football coach Amos Alonzo Stagg comes to mind out there at the University of Chicago uh, back when Chicago was a powerhouse in the Big Ten but very rarely did a coach just focus on one sport and coach Romney was no different. He was tabbed the year before he took over coming in from Montana State University. Funny enough, he was the third coach with ties to the state of Utah, but not to BYU having played football or sports intercollegiately. The first two coaches in BYU football's history, we're talking about CJ Hart as well as Alvin Twitchell, both participated in intercollegiate athletics, football in particular for CJ Hart at Utah State University, what was then Utah agricultural one of BYU's arch rivals well coach Romney was the first Ute you heard that right a University of Utah alum to take over as BYU's head coach but this uh, beginning for him had a really good start because there was one thing that really helped BYU during the season as coach Romney took over and began implementing and building his program and that was the open of the first or the original Cougar Stadium on the campus of Brigham Young University. Some of you are probably thinking, well, Cougar Stadium, obviously, Jake, it's now Lavelle Edwards Stadium. No, 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 folks. Any of you who have been on campus at BYU probably know of the infamous RB stairs and probably have huffed and puffed your way up them more times than you care to admit. I've had to pause at the top of them thinking, holy smokes, why in the world can they not put an escalator in this spot? Well, funny enough, folks, on that very site, right there where the Richards building, which houses a lot of the intramural athletics, uh, basketball courts, all of that stuff, the pools, uh, the Richards pool where BYU competes intercollegiately in the pool. Well, that site is the original site of the, I guess what we call the second football stadium or the second football field for BYU football. 
1923, the senior class began putting funds together to build this stadium. It had been rumored since 1924 that this is where it was going to go. It was going to be built into this hill. They were going to put in stands on the what they, the east side, going to be built into the hill there, and that's exactly what they did. The ultimate grand plan, if you can believe it, was actually to build this out into being a full bowl with north, south, and uh, west stands that would enclose the entire playing surface. It also had a track around it, allowing BYU track and field to compete as well. The original uh, capacity had 5,000 fans in the permanent stands built in to that hill. Many of you can think of that hill in your mind's eye. Now a bunch of trees and foliage, etc. Well, once upon a time, it was a very steeply graded uh, stadium where BYU fans were able to watch the Cougars in football. And in 1928, the stadium finally opened. It took over two years of earnest work to get the stadium up and running. In 1926, the drainage system was put in to really get things moving along. They graded it out with bulldozers and the like. Did they have bulldozers back then? Regardless, they graded the field, all that stuff, got it all built out, and it opened in 1928. So a very, very important milestone for the BYU football program was getting that stadium in place and it benefited them in their back-to-back home games to open the season. BYU brought in College of Idaho for their debut in the Cougar Stadium, won that game 9-6. The following week on October 6th, the Cal Aggies, what we call UC Davis now, came to Provo and BYU won that game 7-6. So Coach Romney, G. Ott Romney, was off to a flying start. He's 2-0. Then the Cougars go to Colorado State in Fort Collins, lose that game 15-6, to come back home and beat perennial whipping boy Western State. Yet again, Western State right there, folks. It's an inside joke if you've been listening to this podcast. We've been talking about Western State, just BYU could always count on Western State being a win. They win that game. They move to 3-1. and Okay, at this point, as a BYU fan, you're sitting there saying, okay, what are the possibilities here? This team's really rocking and rolling. And then, well, Things set in. Reality set in. Utah State, uh, BYU, beat, beat, uh, BYU faced them in Provo. Not beat them in Provo. They faced them in Provo in a rivalry game. Were shut out 10 to nothing. So that was their first home loss for BYU on their new home field at Cougar Stadium. Then they went to Montana State for a game that Coach Romney was facing off against his former team. They lose that game 19-7. to So they're coming home, licking their wounds, going back to Provo, and then finish out the season two weeks later, November 17th, they head to Salt Lake City to Ute Stadium in Salt Lake City, Utah, and a breakthrough happens. They tie the Utes 0-0. The first time BYU since rejoining the Rocky Mountain Conference or resuming playing football in 1922, the Cougars are not on the losing end of losing to the University of Utah. This was important considering Utah won the conference, the 1928 Rocky Mountain Conference football standings. They won the conference with a 4-0-1 record. Well, that one tie, BYU, who finished the year 1-3-1 in 10th place once again, so near the bottom of the standings, but nonetheless, BYU had a breakthrough season going 3-3-1 in G. Ott Romney's first year. It was a breakthrough, a brand new stadium, a brand new field to call home. I think it was... Uh, pretending a future of BYU football having a good run, and that's exactly what Coach Romney did. We'll talk more about what he did in the succeeding years, including an absolutely stellar year, one of the best years, actually maybe the best year in multiple decades in coming days. Coach Romney was an 
absolutely stellar coach, and that doesn't just necessarily extend just to football. He did great things in basketball, track and field. He was a great athletic director for BYU. Talk about a home run hire when it comes to bringing in a new coach, and he gets off to a quick start. So a 500 record overall for BYU and a breakthrough, their first tie against the University of Utah. They have still not beaten either Utah or Utah State, but those days are coming, and we'll talk about them in coming days. We'll talk about 1929 tomorrow. Plenty to talk about in that regard, and we'll continue on through this. Like I mentioned, we're going to go all the way through 2020. A lot of decades, a lot of games, a lot of storylines to track in coming days and weeks, but folks, I can tell you this much, I am having the time of my life researching these seasons each and every day, and hope you guys find worth in them as well, and come away just a little more in the know about what BYU did. So the important things to know from today is, yes, the third coach in BYU football history, G. Ott Romney, takes over in 1928. He is bequeathed, or I guess benefited by the fact that BYU moves into the original Cougar Stadium, which is located where the Richards building is now located, right there. The student-athlete building's right across the street. You can envision a stadium there built into that side hill, had great views of Utah Lake without much in front of it, and also you had the great views of the Wasatch Mountains behind it. Would have been a very, very cool thing. We'll make sure on Instagram to post some pictures from the original Cougar Stadium on our Instagram feed and also on Facebook if you guys want to check them out. But that's an important thing to note, is a new stadium really help BYU get off to a quick start or a decent start, a 500 record for Coach Romney in his first year at the helm of the BYU football program. And I think it was the start, a brand new era for BYU football, which allowed them to enjoy quite a bit of success over the coming years. We'll talk about that. Breakthroughs with wins over Utah State. A win over Utah is still a ways off. And we'll talk about all that ahead right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. So stay tuned for those episodes in coming days and weeks. Like I said, I'm having a blast digging into the archives, combing through the historical record. Man, it is a just... it. it <laughs> I can't express how much fun it is for me because like I said, I've said previously, I studied history in college. I am used to kind of ferreting out stories from the historical record. Well, we're leaning into one of my strengths, doing this breakdown of the 100 seasons of BYU football. So stay tuned for that. More of these episodes, 1929 tomorrow, 1930 on Thursday, and 1931 on Friday. And we'll continue on, like I said, all the way until September 3rd, the day before BYU opens the 2021 season. That is the target day to talk about the 2020 season. And then we begin another season, the 101st in BYU history on September 4th. 2021. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll catch up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Tuesday. We'll get to all that here in just a few moments. Today's show has been brought to you in part by our good friends over at Bet Online, folks. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. I can tell you this because I've experienced it for myself. If you want to bet on NBA hoops, Major League Baseball, golf, NHL, no matter what your interest might be, Bet Online's got that for you guys. If you're more into pop culture, award shows like the Oscars this past weekend, TV shows, even reality TV, they've got that for you as well. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all this news, scores, and odds. It is the best place to place your bets, and by the way, it is free to sign up. Head to their website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today.
today and receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On when making your first deposit with our friends at Bet Online. You heard that right. Free money from a sports book that doesn't happen anywhere, but Bet Online wants to be your partner. Take advantage of it now, guys. BetOnline.ag, promo code Locked On for that 50% welcome bonus. It's all courtesy of your friends over at Bet Online as they are your online sports book experts. All right, folks, this year the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from some Locked On's local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. All you got to do is subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch the live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft from this Thursday, April 29th through Saturday, May 1st. Looking forward to that, and let's get you guys up to speed on everything you need to know as a BYU fan before we go here on a Tuesday edition of the show. First off, uh, best wishes and hope all goes well for two former BYU basketball players. Kobe Lee announcing yesterday that he is headed to Dixie State to play for the Trailblazers. He will play for John Judkins, who is the brother of BYU women's basketball coach Jeff Judkins. I actually think this is a great spot for Colby to land. He can be a big part of the rotation down there in St. George. Andrew May, a former member of Dave Rose's staff in Provo with the BYU basketball program, is one of the assistants there in St. George. I think this is a fantastic landing spot for Colby. His wife will be continuing to play for the BYU Women's Hoops program, but as he told the Deseret News, they've already done long distance once before. They're going to do it again, and I wish Colby Lee nothing but the best as he moves forward with his playing career here and Hopefully he goes and tears it up for the Trailblazers down there at Dixie State. Now also, best wishes and happy trails to Jesse Wade. He announced that he is going to retire from basketball, an accumulation of injuries, him graduating from college, BYU's Marriott School of Management, which he graduated from last week. He's moving on with his life, trying to do the next thing, and I got the faith that a guy like Jesse Wade, he knows what's in the best interest for himself. He probably could have found a spot for himself to play next year, like a Dixie State potentially, but he decided, you know what? I accomplished my dream of playing college hoops. It obviously did not go according to probably how he envisioned it going. Those recurring knee issues really curtailing what appeared to be a pretty bright future for him playing hoops, but you know what? I wish him nothing but the best as he moves forward with his life here, and I've got no doubt that he's going to make a positive impact in the world one way or another. All right, other news, no, other news and notes for you guys to know here on a Tuesday as Cougar fans include congratulations to BYU star women's golfer Alicia May Mateo. She was named the West Coast Conference Women's Golfer of the Year for the 2020-2021 season. Really was a standout for BYU all year long. Seemingly was always BYU's leading golfer tournament and tournament tournament in and tournament out and led BYU to a third place finish at the WCC Championships last week. BYU did lead that tournament after two rounds. A disappointing third round sunk them to third place. So a little bit of a disappointing finish there, but a congratulations to Alicia May Mateo. She's also named to the all WCC team for her efforts in leading the BYU women's golf program. The men's golf program held their final and only home uh, event of the season at the Pink Cougar Classic at Riverside Country Club over the weekend. BYU has now wrapped up the regular season, but they finished third at their home event. Carson Lundell, who has really come on strong down the stretch run of the season here, t- 
tied for medalist honors at that event. Congratulations to him. The men's team is now headed to Reflection Bay Golf Club down there in Henderson, Nevada for the WCC Championships. Those will begin on Thursday and run through Saturday. Best of luck to Carson Lundell, Bruce Brockbank, and the rest of the men's golf program. They'll be looking to punch their ticket to the NCAA Championships. At minimum, in my opinion, I can't say this for certain, but I expect that Lundell will make the field as an individual player, but he obviously would like to take five or six of his teammates with him to the NCAA Championships, if at all possible. Other notes for you guys are two games to pay note, pay attention to or keep note of today. That includes the BYU men's baseball program. They had their game against Arizona State from yesterday rescheduled to today. It'll be a matinee affair, 11.30 a.m. first pitch for the Cougars and the Sun Devils. ASU, one of the powerhouses all-time in college baseball. They lead the all-time series against BYU 46-10, but BYU did win the last matchup in 2013 down there in Arizona, 8-3. Cougars will look to make it two in a row over the 23rd-ranked Sun Devils. Once again, first pitch set for 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time, and also the BYU women's softball program. They'll look to make it 17 straight wins, this time on the road. They're headed over to Utah Valley University to take on the Wolverines at Wolverine Field. That game is scheduled for first pitch of 5 p.m. Mountain Time. You can watch it streaming on the WAC Digital Network. There's a link at BYUcougars.com if you want to watch it there. All right, that is going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the show. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there. Make sure to follow the show on social media if you haven't done so already. Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. Really simple. My personal Twitter feed, Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, feel free to reach out via email if you have comments, concerns, questions, no matter what it might be. Send us a note. Drop it at LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys and love that you guys are continuing to support this venture every single day. Enjoy your Taco Tuesday. Enjoy whatever's left of that Tuesday. And we will talk to you guys again tomorrow. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 27th, 2021. And we will talk to you manana. Manana.